I'm Balash Renzi coming to you from Karlsruhe, Germany. How are you today, Balash? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, hot, sweaty, <laughs> steamy, but uh, but it's great. How's uh, how's things in Frankfurt? It's warm. I'm keeping the house cool. It's going to have to make it another looks like two days before it starts to cool off again. And mm. um, yeah, as a person who grew up in Florida, I have to tell you yeah. that this is my least favorite time of year in Germany because there is no air conditioning. Oh yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a common thing here in Europe. I have uh, air conditioning in my apartment in Hungary because it's in the it's in the Dachgeschoss, as this in German, and it gets extremely hot mm. there. So a few good few years ago. Well, we installed these days in Europe, you know, there, yeah. there's talks about global warming and one would think, mm-hmm. yeah, probably going to need that here one day. But right now, energy in Europe is also a big topic, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, it's not only the, the problem here is, is <clears throat> not necessarily the heat, but that it's super humid. Yeah. And um, yesterday I went to my my usual training, weekly training, and I did t- uh, ten minutes as a warm up on the treadmill. And I, we have a personal trainer, and uh, this this th- yeah, this time I was the lady. And she said, "You okay?" After like five minutes of stretching, after I said, "No, no, it's fine. That's just that's just the treadmill. Like my pulse goes up, and it's just so hot in, inside, outside, and inside. I'm just I'm, and that's like my body. I'm dripping, like literally dripping sweat." Like, uh, like I just ran the marathon and she said, you okay? I said, no, it's fine. It's, it's, it'll go away. It didn't because she pushed us <laughs> way too hard, but yeah, it's super humid. Yeah. It's the same on the, uh, Peloton. I did it, uh, mm. early this morning and, uh, yeah, I, it was like, I already took the shower, but, uh, yeah, but, but your building is an old one, right? So the walls must be thick and kind of, that's kind of hard to warm up and kind of cool inside usually, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it's fine right now. Honestly, it's it's no problem. It just uh, and it cools off at night, which is mm. you know who knows by July or August. But the uh, yeah, it, it it's I don't know. It annoys me. And the weird thing is, like it's like most cities, but especially Frankfurt is down in a valley by a river, so it just sits here. And when you go to like Bad Homburg or some of these towns outside that are up in elevation it's like a five degree difference honestly it's big mm. it's really big yeah and of course it's, it also doesn't help if the cities don't have like parks and trees and, and stuff like that luckily where i live in in Karlsruhe, it's it's pretty okay and and actually the whole city is you know there's a lot of trees and a lot of parks i mean you know you've been here yep. enough uh but but yeah that's also the thing when it's just concrete upon concrete upon concrete then Good luck with that. I mean, then again, uh, a few weeks ago, we were complaining about being gray and cold and rainy, and now we're complaining about being warm and sunny. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, well, you know, bottom line is uh, it's uh, at least sunny, and I guess we're going to get rain in the next few days. And mm. uh, 
Yeah, but um, we've got a good topic today. We're going to talk about Bolova, or as you say, Bolova. Bolova. Yeah. Bolova. Bolova. <laughs> I don't know. You, I, I can, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with Bolova. They're kind know. of American, but that doesn't mean that I'm saying it right either. So, But uh, you say Ramada, you don't say Ramada. Yeah, that's true. It's true. So that's why I, I went, because I remember when we were in Basel one time, and then you said, yeah, you, you say, no, you didn't say it, but I said, uh, Uh, what did I say? I, I said Ramada, and then you said Ramada. Yeah. Then so I went with Bulova. And then, well, anyways, the 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 B and the U and the L and the O and the V and the A. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're yeah. going to talk about Bulova today, and then um, trying to think if we've got any other other little topics. Not really, but I, I think we um, we are picking up some nice comments on our our podcast yes. and getting some show ideas. So. I mm -hmm. think we'll, uh, we'll have some good things to talk about in the future. Uh, yeah, we just got an email today, right? You you got yeah, that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We got to bring that up. Tough one, but mm -hmm. um, yeah. Oh, and one more update, Balash, I, I thought I'd give you. So I mentioned mm -hmm. on our last podcast that I had a package that was stuck at uh, mm -hmm. FedEx. It's still stuck. It hasn't moved at all. So, <sighs> so, so yeah, the, the word is that um, FedEx which announced the uh, buyout of TNT back in 2016. Mm -hmm. You know, this has been an incredibly long process of taking over sites and probably emerging systems and doing whatever. And apparently they moved into the French and Belgian sites in the last couple of weeks and it is a disaster. So, you know, The good thing is, I mean, I, I would I would chalk it up to theft of of a package which has, as we mentioned, has been on the rise. But uh, in fact, uh, the, the seller and I were not the only ones calling FedEx that day. So apparently, they've got quite a backlog of stuff and trailers and whatnot sitting out there as they get through it. Which, uh, mm. I mean, does not sound very. Uh, <laughs> promising promising but no. hopefully one day they get there but it's it's just incredible you know to think when something ships and it the first notice was expected to arrive tomorrow and then nothing mm -hmm. ever nothing ever came yeah so. oh i know i know i mean well fingers crossed for your package first and foremost hopefully by the time we record the next episode you will Thanks, you'll man. have it in your hand or on your hand rather um and um yeah just a quick note before we jump into the handguns controller um, um, I just got a message today from Alex, from Val Alexander, the, the strap maker that I featured a few times and I've also interviewed Alex for the podcast. And he just said, listening to the podcast, I proposed to his girlfriend on the rooftop of the Hewing Hotel. So funny, uh, fu oh, funny wow. coincidence. You just mentioned the hotel and, and I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's, that's very cool. Not now. It, it was a while ago. I, I misunderstood him. I thought just now. And I was like, hey, congrats. And he said, yeah, it was last year. But in any case, congrats to them and, uh, and shout out to Alex for, <laughs> for dropping me the message. It was funny. That's super cool. Yeah. That's super cool. So <laughs> yeah, well, small world, right? So, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's do the Hangalanks con controller. <laughs> and why don't, uh, why don't you kick us off? Well, you know what I'm wearing, even without me telling you before the the, the recording, because you received the picture from me. Um, so finally, the long story comes to an end, or a, or a, or the long journey rather comes to an end, um, or a new journey begins. I'm not sure. Uh, you might hear this. 
Oh yeah, smooth yeah. like butter. Oh yeah. So um um, you know that I I mean you know, but the the listeners might not know that I was on the market for an Excelsior Park. And then after a while, an Excelsior Park operated watch because it was very hard to find the actual uh, branded model. And um, that saga kind of ended a few, maybe a month ago when a, when a, um, a dealer on, or, or well, it's, it's a, a guy, a gentleman who sells watches. I'll just rather say it like that because he's not really a dealer. I mean, you can, I guess, call him a dealer. But anyways, um, he had uh, a few of these watches. And um, long story short, we made a deal and he dropped it in Hungary, in Budapest, and then he dropped it off at the friend's place. And uh, I asked him to ship it and he's a, he is a dealer actually. And he was busy and this and that. And, and he said, yeah, I'm going to ship it to you. I'm going to ship it to you. And then uh, he never gave me an update. <clears throat> and then on Monday I went to the office and they said, there's two packages for you waiting for you. And I said, I didn't order anything. And it turned out that I did order something. And, but the other package was actually from my friend, from the dealer. Nice. Um, and in the package was a, a, a microphone component, which uh, in the end I couldn't use. So my my I guess my audio is still good, but thanks for that. And uh, in a little uh, little plastic envelope, this baby, and this is a Excelsior Park with an EP4, so the two subdial movement, in a new old stock condition in their original little. Uh, canvas or linen whatever bag it came in and this thing is just wonderful it's not the largest chronograph i expected it to be bigger but i think the ep40s correct me if i'm wrong with the three sub registers they are bigger right usually yeah in size. even there they made a couple sizes but this is what like 35 i want to say yeah so let me just quickly get the caliper out sorry about the noise because it's in the same chuplada. case as my decimal if i'm not mistaken could be yeah it's like 35 and a hair yeah but it works and, beautifully doesn't it yeah yeah and it's about 11 millimeters thick it's just amazing and and uh it's uh it's one of the 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 dial variations the dial colors i should say that that they um the the resurrected excelsior park brand also uh kind of mimicked or copied whatever you want to call it with this black numerals but then the there's like a um a tashi scale on the outer side of the dial which is blue and then the minute scale is black and then there's like a telemeter scale which is red so we have this blue black red on a white dial or a creamy dial it's it's just absolutely beautiful but that's not even the point the yeah it's really 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 super nice action on the pusher especially i have to say not when you start it and not when you stop it but when you reset it that kickback on the on the lower pusher when you when it resets it's just uh, it's just really amazing and i've as i told you on uh, privately i've dealt with a lot of m- movements in my life from Valjus to 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 lemanias and and whatnot and this is truly something special you can you can actually feel it that it's uh it, it works differently than any other movement better or worse i don't know but definitely different no that's awesome i'm glad you got one and <clears throat> glad you're thank I, you i'm glad you're enjoying it and i'm glad i didn't i hopefully didn't over uh sell how no. nice that movement is no absolutely not and i i can i can but you know suggest anyone if you're ever uh, on a, or, or you see one or or have the, the possibility to get one and if you like chronographs, just get it because this movement is is truly brilliant. And and I'm I'm happy that it's a new old stock uh, um, 
watch but that's also the problem because i don't want, don't want to wear it too much but i think that's uh i have to i have to um quote our friend jeff stein when he said a new world stock watch is only new world stock until i buy it because i will start wearing it <laughs> nice no, that's cool like yeah. i said glad you got it and thank you are enjoying it so very cool thank you it's a great addition to your collection i would say mm-hmm. um cool so what's on you yeah i'm i'm wearing a watch that i also shot you a picture of i want to say i sent you a picture so last night or something mm-hmm. um, oh yeah yeah so i bought this months ago and for whatever reason i haven't worn it much but um it is a 40s or 50s siduna s-i-d-u-n-a commander and it, it is a um it's a watch from, like I said, forties or fifties, and it is a 36 and a half millimeter stainless steel three-handed watch. And I bought it because I kept staring at your kinds of watches that you have from this period. These really like plain, but kind of purposeful looking pieces with some loom on them and stuff. And this one came up also like on an Instagram post from from a seller who who deals in these kinds of pretty inexpensive but kind of cool uh, vintage watches oftentimes below 36 millimeter and this one just happened to be above that size wise and it looked like it had a really cool case and also a screw down case back which is screw in case back which is not that common for that period and um, really nice dial that it gone like salmony with uh, loomed hands, loomed numerals, and like a red uh, sweep hand. So there's nothing that fancy about this watch other than I believe it's on its original strap and it uses the EDA 1110 manual wind movement, which is really nice. Um, funny story, I told our buddy Andreas in Cyprus, who owns Gregoriatus.com, to pick one of these up. It was like in, a, in an auction for like 180 euros or something, and I think he still has it on his site. So if you look up a Seduna Commander, you'll probably find that watch. And again, nothing that special about it, but you know, when I was looking at that uh, Eterna 852, you've got uh, it was in my mind the other day and I'm like, you know, I'm going to wear a watch from that era and uh, kind of get a little more used to uh, pieces from that, uh, from that period. So, yeah, I, I, as I told you in the chat, I, uh, I quite like the, the fact that this, um, that the, what are you going to call it? The, the minute scale, I guess it's like so thin around the edge of the dial. And then you have this huge kind of like a bullseye, dark minute scale with the numerals but a huge uh, white or creamy center of the dial it's uh really really pretty awesome do you know anything about the the brand itself or any i don't just, know background on it just that they were founded in denmark but they okay you know clearly had their watches built in switzerland so it was more of a brand um I don't know. I, I've I've resisted for whatever reason doing an article on this watch, but I won't. I will do one, and then I'll hopefully uncover more um, more when I do that. But it uh, just feels like kind of a local brand for the market that probably was very popular in Copenhagen. I think they're in Copenhagen, and you know nothing too fancy, but I think it kind of shows that if you go out and look for these types of watches. There can be some pretty high quality pieces out there that don't cost an arm and a leg. Um, mm-hmm. 
there's a lot of junk from that era too, but <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. But you know, funnily enough, and I don't want to jump to the, well, we can actually jump to the, to the main topic, but funnily enough, I picked one of the watches kind of, well, I got kind of inspired by your watch. Let's just put it this way. And I'll, I'll tell you when I, when we get to that. So, okay, cool. So yeah, today we're talking Bulova. Bulova. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. So just a very short background here. Um, Bolova was founded in New York in 1875 by Joseph Bolova, and they are uh, a New York-based company with manufacturing at the time in New York and in Switzerland, and pretty innovative company. Uh, the, the big story, if you read the history, whether it's Wikipedia or somewhere else, is that in America, they were the first company to ever do a nationally televised radio ad and the first company to do a nationally televised TV ad. So mm. they were a big company and you see period piece of pictures of Times Square and big advertisements and uh, it's kind of hard to believe, again, when we talk about these companies like Hamilton or Bolova and, and others, how big they were in America and how you know, these were the brands that people aspired to. It wasn't necessarily the Pateks and the others that, of course, garner all the attention and, at auctions today. Um, mm -hmm. And I uh, I didn't pick one of these, but I, uh, I dated a girl in high school who, I may have mentioned this before, but her grandmother, I guess her brother uh, had passed away, the grandmother's brother, but he had owned a jewelry store at one point and we were dating, you know, she like dumped out this big bag of new old stock watches from the forties. And <laughs> yeah, I, I stupidly chose a Ben Russ, which was pretty cool. And a, I shouldn't say stupidly, but I chose like an oval shaped Bulova. These were all new old stock. It was crazy. They had like tags on them and everything, but and there was a huge pile of Grun Curvexes, and I really should have gone for one of those. But um, in any case, uh, I, I, I got this watch, and I have it here. It's not running any debit service, but I remember, Balash, I found some site that had, like, old Bolova catalogs from, like, the 20s through the 40s, and they were like Seiko. You know, they came out with, like, 200 new watches a year. It was incredible. Um, hmm. and, and it took me... I don't know, an hour and a half to like find my watch, but I found it. It was like from 1939 or something like that. So crazy. Anyhow, they, they were uh, very popular and, um, you know, Bulova exists today. They actually have, uh, I think a headquarters once again in Times Square, you can go online and they're original headquarters or headquarters at one point in Queens, New York, Still has the Bulova name, but has been turned into some sort of like an office complex, but it's incredibly cool. It looks like very Art Deco and yeah, just neat to see the, the uh, I guess the, the sway that these companies held at one point in the kind of the, uh, the fancy buildings they once uh, sat in and, and just how many people they, they probably employed at one time.
Yeah, you know what? Uh, <clears throat> I just wanted to say something, but in the meantime, I googled this this Queens. It's called Bulova Corporate Center in Queens. It really, if, if you remove the Bulova from the top of the building, it really looks like the headquarters of some Marvel uh, <laughs> secret uh, <laughs> government agency. It's this big concrete Art Deco building, as you said, with a with a huge clock above it. It's really a beautiful building. Um, what I want to say is, to me, Bulova, whatever reason, I don't know, reminds me very much of Junkhans in Germany. Mm. This quality, you know, out there, produced in in tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of pieces, reliable but but affordable, kind of everybody's trusted watch. Yeah. I don't know. That's that's kind of what I what I have and a bit more approachable, right? But but still yeah. great quality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and well, they they produce watches. Sorry to cut you off. Uh, they produce watches in Biel, Switzerland, of all places, which we know obviously oh, okay. very well from uh, from Omega and and uh, okay. headquarters of Hamilton is there, headquarters of, headquarters of Certina is there, and yeah, that's why they also manufactured. Owned by Citizen now, right? Yes. Yeah. Well. Yeah. 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 So. so. Yeah, one other comment I wanted to make because when I lived in Lancaster, which you know we've talked about that many times in the Hamilton history, there was a building downtown which has now been demolished, but it was a it was like a four or five story building that had a brick um, sides that and it was all closed in. There were no windows in this thing aside from the front door. And when I lived there, it had already been shut down, but the sucker just stood there and. It was part of Bulova Technologies, which mm. I guess had spun off of the watch group at some point when, you know, there was trouble in the whole quartz crisis thing. But interestingly, and I think Hamilton was um, doing this as well at one point, most of the watch companies around World War II set up a side business doing fuse timers for bombs. Yeah. Because yeah. same type of thing, right? So yeah. That's what Young Hans did as well, but on the other side. Yeah. So th this building, when Bulova moved into there, was all it was like a department store, and then they closed in all the windows. And I think that you know the reason for it was they were doing all kinds of top secret stuff for the military. And um, yeah, could you imagine working inside this place? Like, just Crazy. basically closed in all the time. So. Hmm. Yeah, that was my other little fun fact about Bulova, but. Um, that was data protection, 1940 style, just no windows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, even into the 70s, yeah. So Yeah, yeah. So let's get into uh, some of our favorite picks, which I think uh, I probably am the, the unoriginal one, but you, as always, come to the game with uh, a bunch of wild stuff. So do you want to go first? Yeah, I can. So... So one of my first, so my first pick actually uh, was when I when I started the research was a completely useless watch. Uh, I think this is a watch I would love to own, but I would I could never really wear it because it's just so quirky. But that's what it makes it super interesting, and that's the the Bulova parking meter bullhead chronograph. Now. This is, it took me a while, by the way, to understand why it's called a parking meter. Then I realized um, this is a, an, a typical 70s steel, crazy, um, chunky 
chronograph, bullhead chronograph. So bullhead meaning that the crown is at the six o'clock position and the chronograph pushers are at the, well, uh, 11 and one o'clock positions right on top of the case. And um, it's a 43 by 43 and a, and a hair of 43.5 millimeter case excluding the crown. And the interesting thing is it has two subdials, one at three, I'm sorry, one at uh, 12 o'clock and one at six o'clock. Then, then a date at three. The twelve o'clock one is the thirty minutes counter. The six o'clock one is the twelve minutes counter. But the dial design is a help me here, Mike. It's two two tone kind of, just like a yeah, bi color. Sort of like two different. Uh, it's really almost like a right? yeah, almost like a sandwich dial or something like that. I'm not sure. And the the design of the sub dials or the the frame around the the, the minute scale around the sub dials are blue whereas the dial itself is gray or silver and the two sub dials um the this blue part connects and it kind of looks like an old parking meter yeah. right um <clears throat> and inside the watch is the caliber 14 efad which is as far as uh i understand is a is a very uh familiar movement um because it's a uh, well, we we know about this caliber. Maybe not under this name, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the it's the caliber we talked about in the chronograph episode, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Because um, it's the um, it's this the well based on the caliber eleven. Right, which was this joint development of Hamilton, Buren, Breitling, and Hoyer with the with the Dubois de Pram module, the fifty one ten. So um, it's basically a micro rotor um, automatic movement, um, rebranded or or called the Bulova fourteen uh, EFAD chronomatic, which is a Buren twelve caliber as well, which is a um, forty two hour power reserve, seventeen joules, twenty one thousand six hundred. Uh, VPH, um, as I said, uh, automatic micro rotor, automatic caliber. So it's an automatic watch. Um, same caliber, practically as you would have in the in in those Breitlings and Hoyers and and whatnot from that era. So it's a very interesting, uh, very interesting movement at that. I think. I think it is my favorite bullhead watch. Um, Strangely, like it, it's got to yeah. be one of the more eccentric ones. Well, they're all eccentric, but obviously the Omega gets uh, a ton of press and, you know, there are other like the Seiko, which is cool as well. I, I can't say that I love bullheads, but I love the colors on this uh, Boulevard. Yeah. And they're, you know, as we go through the watches we chose today and we did choose some, uh, we did choose some oddballs aside from one. You know, yeah. when they got into like chronographs and things, they they really did some. You know, they they were just stuff that's like it was like totally out of character. And yeah, I feel like and they super were, fun, huh? Yeah, fun. But I, I kind of feel like they were one of these brands that there's several out there, although nothing's coming to mind. But like during this sort of wild period, I feel like all these folks were just sort of like scrounging to. To stay in existence, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And I think, well, speaking of uh, uh, of interesting or or fun chronographs, I think you have one on your list which you also own, mm. 
which ex- exactly falls into this category that this bullhead is in. I mean, I guess if you ever open a Bullova book, there's a page about this watch, and right next to it has to be a page about your watch. Yeah. Well, I guess I have to talk about that now, even though I was going mm-hmm. to choose a different one first. Maybe oh, sorry I'll, maybe I'll end on the other. But yeah, so the, the watch that uh, Balash is referring to is known affectionately as the Bulova Stars and Stripes Chronograph. Hmm. And formerly it's known as the Chronograph C, which is a really <laughs> pretty weak name. But <laughs> this, watch, least, yeah. <laughs> this watch is one of the, the more... Um, it, it is an outstanding chronograph, and I think it's it's a really well-known piece. Uh, and, and Stars and Stripes, because it is you know largely red, white, and blue on the dial and, and hands, uh, does have uh, just, a, just a, a lot of color. And when I purchased, and I wrote an article about this way back in um, 2016. In fact, I even remember where I was here in Germany when I bought it on eBay. Uh, hmm. But anyhow, it um, and, and I, sorry, I'm just tangenting here, doing a lot of tangents, but I was chatting with Eric Wind because he loves these and I shot him a link and I'm like, should I do it? Should I do it? And he goes, oh yeah, it looks great. And uh, so he helped me out. So thanks, Eric. And the watch I would have thought was from 1976, but it's uh, it was built in, for one year in 1970. And it's wow. pretty unique because it is lugless. It's one of these like big discs. It's 43 millimeters. It is a front loading case. It has a massive crown and it comes on a uh, mesh bracelet, which I guess my wrist is swelling a little bit, at least today, um, fits me. Uh, but the mesh is not sizable aside from, you know, a number of holes in the clasp. So if it's too small, too big, oh. then you know, you're going to put it on a strap, which I had it on for a long time and it just doesn't do the watch justice. It looks great on the mesh. Um, mm. yeah. So the, the hands all look like rockets. It's, it's, it's just a, a pretty wild watch. And, and at the end of the day, I think next to your parking meter, um, so these are two of the more fun watches from that, uh, from that era. Yeah. I think the designer went crazy. They just, just do whatever you want. Just, it should look good. And it, it really is very very funky next time i'm gonna see you and actually i kind of hinted that maybe it's time for me to to visit you whenever we have time man it's gonna be a a busy day for you because you have to pack out a lot of stuff because this is also a very cool watch and i'd love to see it in person uh i think it's it's again one of those useless watches because i would not wear it a lot i know i know but it's just it's just amazing yeah and Uh, what's inside of this by the way yeah so it uses the 7736 which is Mm -hmm you know, the three register manual wind, it's very robust, easy to work on. So that's pretty nice. You obviously need a watchmaker who understands how to take the crown out because it's, uh, again, mm-hmm. a front loader. So I've seen a few examples out there with replaced crowns because somebody screwed it up, but mm-hmm. I've never had a problem. I mean, I've owned it for five, six years now and it still keeps good time. So that's uh, wonderful watch. And there's a, there's a re-edition by the way, which, which maybe we should mention that yes. a lot of the Bulovas, I'm not sure about the bullhead, but a lot of the Bulovas we will mention and that a lot of the bull, vintage bulls that are out there, they have been reissued by Bulova and, and, um, uh, and the, the, the reissues are pretty, pretty accurate to the original ones. I, yeah. I, I quartz, yeah. but, uh, what, three, 400 bucks. Yeah. 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 So, same size, same kind of looks. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, for a watch that probably won't get a ton of wear, that's a nice option if you don't want to put out the uh, the bigger money for the vintage piece. Although I don't know right now what the vintage run for. I'm going to look right now. So two, two and a half, maybe. Yeah, probably. Probably something like that. Yeah. But if you do want it, uh, the vintage, you know, do take. Uh, at least take into account that you're getting a really nicely built watch. It feels really solid. So, hmm. yeah. no, absolutely cool. Yeah. Um, what you let me move on with uh, yeah with my second pick. Uh, this is, I mean, as I told you, I, I, I picked the quirky ones deliberately because I thought, as I said, there's so many cool ones and they all been reissued and blah 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 blah, but. I, uh, I wanted to look for something special. And the second one I chose is called the Bulova Aku Quartz Woody. Ooh. Have you ever heard of it? I have Probably now. not, huh? I haven't, I haven't heard of it until I did the research. So it's basically a 1970s Aku Quartz. It's a, an Accutron Quartz movement. Um, the case shape itself is nothing special, but it's called Woody because there is a bezel on it mm. that has a wooden pattern kind of you know what are, what were those cars in the in the was it the 70s in the US the 60s with these wooden panels on the outside these big station wagons well you had like the surf cars from the 50s that people love but then you had like just the bad like family trucksters right 70s. that's the one the bad <laughs> ones yeah like this imagine that car driving that car and wearing this watch perfect it was like fakes, uh, typical f- the seventies fake wood everywhere, right on the dash, on the outside of the sc- on the car, even on your bezel of your uh, <laughs> of your Bulova Acu Quartz. Uh, so there's there's even a, a something called the Woody family because there there were a number of watches, mm-hmm. and uh, these all of them came out in 1973, <laughs> and um, two of these from the Woody family actually had bracelets where the middle links also had these wooden. Oh, yeah. Inlays. Wow. Let's just call it wooden with a quotation mark. Inlays. Um, Not so. I mean, it's it, no, <laughs> no. It's a it's a gold electroplated uh, uh, movement. Uh, I'm sorry, case. Ten uh, uh, K gold rolled uh, rolled gold plate uh, back. Um, Forty point three lock to lock. Thirty seven point four without the crown. Screw back with a day date quartz movement. And with this amazingly kitsch but beautiful wooden bezel on it, I mean, it's just it's just wonderful. Uh, and I think it's if you can find one in working condition, first of all, maybe don't buy it because you might know if it's going to work uh, next week. But um, but it's it's great. And the cool thing about it is that the dial itself is pretty simple, pretty plain. It's like a gold dial with with applied indexes. But the the Bulova Acu Quartz name is in the middle the three o'clock position you have the day date window but then like there's a piece cut off or a color different differently and that 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 piece goes from like the seven o'clock index all the way up and on the left side of it it's kind of silvery and there you have the accutron um the fork logo so it's even yeah and a diamond it looks like and a diamond yeah of course of course you need a 70s gold one (laughs) (laughs) it as funky as it gets i'm telling you this watch is amazing yeah like i'm looking there there are some others like uh non-wood ones but uh 
I was reading the AccuQuartz, I guess, replaced the AccuTron. And yeah. I don't know the technology really well, but, you know, the, the article kind of said it didn't do very well. So uh, it must have been like a, a step towards Quartz, but it, it was uh, something a little bit different or just early Quartz. I don't know what, but man, these are, they are funky. That is for sure. Yeah, it's a 2242, the movement, which is like an Accutron. I mean, it's a, it's a, you can call it like a Mecha Quartz, mm. early Mecha Quartz, right? Because you have a tuning fork combined with a, with a Quartz movement, like kind of like a hybrid, like an Accutron tuning fork with a Quartz movement. But yeah, something like that. It's a, it's a very vague explanation of what it is. But I mean, the watch itself, stylistically or design wise, is just, is just amazing. I mean, it's, it's as 70s as it gets to me, anyways. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a cool pick. And thank you. I'll, I'll transition over to the Accutron, which uh, mm-hmm. I think everybody would have guessed, you know, that was going to come up at some point. But uh, it's it's kind of a special watch to me because I feel like growing up, you know, my, my dad was really, still is very important in my whole watch uh, appreciation journey, let's say. And he, uh, I remember when he was kind of getting into buying some older watches, uh, an Accutron was really one of the first things he wanted to go back and get. And you mean the space view? Well, he, um, you know, I think he bought, uh, he's got a few different ones and he ended up giving me one. Um, one is a solid gold piece with like a champagne dial. So it's not an Accu or not a space view. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, and the reason well, let me talk about the Accutron first. It debuted in 1960, and it was really, uh, you know, from from the late 50s into you know, the late 60s, obviously, when quartz really became a thing. There was all this uh, uh, work being done to make timekeeping more accurate, you know, no winding and all this stuff. You had everything from high-frequency movements come out during this period to electric watches, which I think you and I – have experienced are not the most robust things. And Accutron was what came out in 1960. And it was apparently, you know, just a booming success. It was incredible. Like you watch something like Mad Men that shows up and Mm -hmm. it used a tuning fork that um, um, I believe it vibrated 360 times per second. And it had the effect on the watch of, of creating an amazing sweep hand and, and a really neat humming noise. Um, I remember when my dad got one, uh, and it, it was battery powered, of course. And the, the, the story behind the space view is that, um, there were demos shipped without a, a dial. So you could see the inner workings of the watch and people started saying, Hey, I want that. And that led to them making, you know, those in serial production. And mm-hmm. I have one. I actually don't think it's an original space view because there are plenty that people just removed the dial, but generally speaking, the hands on those were white and I don't think mine is. Um, in any case, it uh, it's a fabulous looking, any of the space views are fabulous looking and they come in a variety of uh, case shapes as well as like the normal models are neat. And you have like pieces like the astronaut, which was featured in, I think the uh, early A12, like uh, predecessor to the SR71 Blackbird, all those testing and the Bell X15. It's a pilot's watch. And I think it was with Gordon Cooper on the, one of the Gemini missions. And Accutron was all over the place. It really was a, a huge 
cultural phenomenon. Um, anyhow, the, the, the two things I wanted to bring up about it is that um, I think my dad was, was pretty into getting one again because weirdly, when he went to uh, dental school, he drove a city bus in Atlanta as a part-time mm-hmm. job. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh-huh. they would give them when they would clock in a bull of the Accutron that was railroad approved to wear while they were driving the bus. And Oh yeah. And when you clock back out, you had to turn it back in. So I think that had real, um, but that's just so he's always on time. Like the bus is always on time. Okay, cool. (laughs) And I think they got that railroad approval like two years after it was, um, after it came out like 1962, but you know, buses and trains and all these folks used them like conductors and stuff. And crazy. Yeah, if you go look up the railroad-approved Accutron, it's actually a really cool-looking watch, and I think they've done like a reissue in it. Um, I don't know if it's mechanical or quartz, but uh, worth looking at. And then, yeah, the other thing is, uh, unfortunately, with vintage Accutrons, is that they are not the most robust. And yeah, that's what I want to say. Your dad's solid gold one is a very expensive paperweight, huh? Yeah, it well, it I think it would run, but literally from the day he bought it, it always ran the camera was fast or slow. He had it serviced once or twice, never did a damn thing. He gave me the asymmetric steel space view, which is a cool watch. I would I would really wear that all the time because it's size wise is perfect. Uh but mm-hmm. it I've had it fixed two or three times and the last time it was our buddy RJ telling me to send it up to him because he knows someone in the Netherlands who could fix it. And he did. Hmm. And then a week later it stopped again. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. They're, nice. they're, they're notably finicky. Like the batteries, like if you put them in, um, you can short something. It's old electronics and amazing how quartz watches I own from the late seventies run perfectly. But I, I think they're, th- these are a, a different technology altogether. So, Hmm. a shame but really cool looking and i keep hoping they're going to do a remake that sort of sparks my interest enough and like the latest accutron space views they're doing are thousands of dollars they're huge they're using i think citizen based really cool technology but yeah just not the same so yeah, as I told you, just a, a side note before I move on to my last one. Uh, when we did the, the Chrono Get Together in London, uh, Roger Smith came. Uh, thanks again to Paul Mosley. And uh, shout out to him and both of them. And he had uh, a space view on it, a vintage mm-hmm. one. I mean, the guy who who is probably making the most intricate uh, British auto luxury watches was wearing a, a vintage uh, space view and you know he's known for wearing like explorer ones and and all these uh, uh, cro- um, omega vintage chronographs and stuff like that guy i mean roger is really he loves his 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 vintage watches and he was wearing one of those and it was very funny he geeked out on all the watches we had there and and he showed us his and um there's a i think there's a picture on my instagram with chris man him and me checking out each other's vintage watches <laughs> in the corner where everybody's behind us at the table looking at the goodies so yeah very cool watches and a nice pick yeah and I, uh, thanks and and you know vintage accutrons of all sorts you can get for prices all over the place but hmm. you know as, as we said on your, even on your acro courts you want to make sure it's working but quite honestly that's no tell as to whether it's going to work upon arrival one week later one day later or anything yeah. which is really 
a shame because they're so robustly built. They have a crown on the back, uh, those yeah. face feet. It's just so cool and so. I love the colors and it, yeah, it just yeah, it's, it's like they're awesome. Yeah, it's really a shame. But um, yeah, so what's your last one? Yeah, so the last one. Um, as I said, I'm going to go with, with funky ones. This is not a funky in terms of looks, but I quite like the design. And unfortunately, I couldn't find a reference number, so I might have to steal the image, obviously give a copyright and put it in the show notes. But it's technically a model line. It's a 1960s. Um, so this watch is from the 1960s, but it's a, a Bulova Sea King, mm. which you would think is a diver. But it's just as much as a diver as a 1960s or 50s Seamaster. This is a. Uh, these are usually mostly very simple dress watches. You would call them these days. But the cool thing about them, if you Google it or any of that, you see it. There's a whale oh, yeah. on the dial, like a little little black silhouette of what or white whatever silhouette of a whale. And I think it's just just super fun. And I I picked the watch and I'm gonna send you in the chat so at least you can have a look. This is from 1969, and it is a, um, a just a, a normal round case, so nothing special. Um, but it has super long, kind of like spider lugs, if you will, like super long, thin lugs, and a crosshair on the dial, date at 3 o'clock. And just above the 6 o'clock uh, index, you have the Seeking name, uh, the, the whale silhouette, and automatic, and just super nice hands. There's... This kind of modern, isn't it? it looks like a, a, a shape, a hand shape from a modern autologery type of watch. Mm. It's a, a really cool piece. I think I read someone it's like 33, 34 millimeters, so not a big one. But um, and this is why I wanted to go back to your your Handgelenks controller watch. Like that kind of inspired me to look for a Bulova that is actually not the usual suspects. You know, not the Accutron Deep Sea, not the Computron, not the Space View, but going back in time and i think these are just wonderful yeah i i agree with you and i remember i don't know if it was a later model or a more plain one but um oh, who was it justin Brackus of watch Steez had one of these like a couple years back and i remember it just really stuck out it, it was a it was a less um fancy k-shape but more of a round k-shape with really some bold loom and that whale on there and it said yeah sea king automatic on it and the watch kind of reminded me balash of the omega admiralty do you know that watch yeah 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 yeah, yeah. kind of kind of strangely like that because i think that one actually has an anchor on it instead of a whale but just sort of like yeah. these kind of plain but sort of robust looking watches um yeah it was a Genève Ad admiral i think wasn't it yeah yeah, yeah. And, and i'll even throw out another weird watch which i'm sure you've never seen but kind of the same style is um i know we're not on hamilton but the hamilton esteril like the uh, racetrack um mm -hmm. also like another just a, a kind of a plain watch but you could tell ha has some some capability to it in terms of waterproof and and Mm -hmm. nice loom stuff like that so that's a cool pick um Thank also you. like you said uh, not a common one but i'm looking at these and i feel like if you get lucky you can find one of these for a couple few hundred bucks yeah oh yeah that's what i want to say like uh, a beat up one is maybe 30 bucks 40 bucks a nice one with its original box and uh 
whatever bracelet, it's maybe about 150 to 200 dollars. And as again, it's small. Uh, the water resistance, I think, even back then when it was new, it wasn't anything special. But I think it's just it's just a fun piece. I love the the applied numerals. I love the the crosshair. I love the hand shape. I love the the whale on the dial. It's it's a fun piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a great pick. Great Thank pick. You. And what is is that? So it's automatic. I guess it's some sort of an Eda, or was it a, their own movement at that point? I think their own I movement, honestly. I don't know. To be honest, could could be could yeah, be if could I be both. Think about my snorkel from that period. I thought it was Bolo's own movement, honestly, but maybe maybe I'm. And it looks like it's got a similar um, uh, rotor. Which, by the way, checking mm. out sixties um, Bolova rotors is cool. It's got like a B right on the on there. Pretty epic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'll move on to my last one. And Please. You know, we're not picking. Uh, um, yeah, we're not we're not picking uh, something like a, um, a what's it called? Any military stuff here? Super compressors. Um, mm-hmm. I'm picking something really weird, and it is the Bulova Sea Hunter chronograph, which mm. they they made an on chronograph as well, but. But this one, and I also have a um, uh, an article on this one from back in 2016. No, I remember that one. Crazy yeah. crystal, huh? Yeah. So, so this watch, I was like cruising Amsterdam Vintage Watches, who is owned by uh, Jasper. Um, mm-hmm. Many of you know him from Rolex and Audemars and other things. But back in the day, he used to carry also some just weird stuff and this watch was on there and I had never seen anything like it. It, it was a skin diver cased watch with like this big honking silver bezel and this big bubble crystal that was the same as a squale basically. Yeah. And instead of being just a pure diver, which like I said, they made, this was a chronograph and had this black, has this black uh, glossy dial with these copper indices, Mercedes hands, you know, tritium. And I bought this thing really without doing a lot of research because I couldn't find anything on it. And mm-hmm. it's a 200 meter diver, screw in crown, but the pushers I wouldn't trust uh, under a sink. Um, <laughs> so it, it, it was... Um, it was a really rare find and I've not seen a ton of them since then. And, and the research I've done Balash, and if you go on Chrono 24 and look up any sea hunters, you'll see that mm-hmm. most of them are in Italy. And it seems okay. like this was an Italian market piece. And also during like a weird time for Bulova, like early eighties. And it is a 7736 as well, which by the early eighties, you got to figure that was new old stock. Right. Um, yeah. And 41 millimeter case, 20 millimeter lugs, like I said, skin diver type case. And I, I find it a, one of the most confounding watches to photograph, um, and B just one of the weirdest watches I own. And I bought it just because it was really weird. And, uh, that's amazing. (laughs) It truly is amazing. I just realized they made one, a very similar one under the Elgin name. With mm. a with a panda like a reverse panda dial, but and a gold bezel. Yeah. But I think that the, the crazy thing about this watch is that it's like, uh, it's like a fully polished case, fully polished, huge 
bezel with nothing on it, this crazy domed crystal, and the black with the gold subdials is just what the f- is this? Yeah, you look at it like what the who what wh- who and wh- what? It's not it's functional. Crazy. It, it really it, isn't that no. functional, you know. Like okay, well, it's it, Italian market. Like what did you expect? Yeah, it's it's just so weird. And I guess the fact that Elgin did it. I mean, I don't know how the ownerships work, but yet another old American brand, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Could yeah, could yeah, be a, a I, I, licensing I or something. Say enough about this watch, other than. Or I can't say more about this watch other than it was just such a weird thing that I had to have it. And But you know what I did with this watch? Um, I don't wear it very much, but I think I might now. I put it on one of the straps that you gave me when I saw you. One of the oh. STW straps, the brown one. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's that fits well with the with the gold and the actually and this, looks uh, polish. Really good. Yeah, yeah. I, I mm-hmm. you know, I guess I could be chided for putting a diver on leather, but let's be honest, this isn't going anywhere near the water, is it? So, yeah, probably never should have. <laughs> no, no, no. And I, I think in Italy neither. I mean, when it was new to the market, I don't think it, it saw a lot of beach time. This it doesn't look like the watch that the guys took it to the beach. Yeah, uh, more maybe on the cafe to have an espresso. But yeah, it's a, it's amazing watch. Super funny. Yeah, it is weird. So (laughs) yeah, I mean, Bulova is one of these brands almost like Hamilton in a lot of ways that, um, maybe not as technologically forward after the Accutron piece, like Hamilton got Mm -hmm. into the caliber 11 stuff, but I think one of these enduring names as well. And, and like you said, Good that they're back doing things. Good that they're under solid ownership. You know, we didn't talk about things like the uh, the devil diver, the snorkel, oceanographer, stuff like yeah. that. But there, there's a ton to go look at for Bulova and mm-hmm. uh, probably one of those brands. Like like everything we've covered, we could do two or more episodes on. But uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, we we did cover the brand a lot on Fratello. So I mean, I I just you know, I can encourage you guys to go on Fratello and search for uh, Bulova or Bulova, and you will find a bunch of models, vintage ones. I mean, you did, I think, a TBT on your Devil Diver. I did a review on the re-edition of the Devil Diver, uh, which is, uh, I think, an amazing watch, mm-hmm. both the vintage one and the new one. Um, the, the I mean, You really like that's That's so much out there, and... and uh, Go on, do your research, look up some some pieces on eBay. I mean, I think the there's a lot of junk out there. Needless to say, yeah. Or maybe, well, junk. It's it's subjective, right? But there's a lot of unentertaining watches out there from Bulova, just like from from many other brands. But there's also some gems, and then you really need to look for for the the, the little details, like the Sea King with the way. I think that's just a, that's just an amazing one, and there's so many versions out there, so many dials and, and case shapes and whatnot. So. There's truly um, um, a ton of watches to choose from, from, from this brand. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's kind of weird. Like I, I look at these uh, companies sort of like, um, like a Bulova and like we said, a lot like Hamilton or even Ratto in some ways, and mm-hmm. they, they just didn't end up in Swatch, right? So they, they're, they're in a different camp, but vintage wise, there's a lot of similarities and a lot of pieces that are out there for pretty good dollars. Like this, the devil diver used to be mm-hmm. I think when I bought mine was like 400 bucks. I think there are a lot more now, but they're still affordable relatively speaking. And yeah. Yeah. 
And like we said, the new ones are cool. If you're an American and you've got like a Macy's near you, I think they're carried there and you can always get them on sale, like use coupons and stuff. It's crazy. You can get like great watches for 350 bucks type thing. And mm-hmm. on the vintage side, you know, you just need to go hunt forums, eBay, and you'll find Bulova. It pops up a lot. I mean, it was a popular brand. They made tons of these things. So um, plenty to yeah. look at. So exactly. Totally agree with you. Yeah. So, um, Balash, I know, um, you're hard up against, uh, a bit of a time clock here. So, um, yeah, but it, but it was fun. And like we said, we'll be back because we've got some cool topics you guys have suggested and don't hesitate to throw us more. And certainly if you've got an idea on another brand, we should cover, throw it out there and we'll put it into the, uh, into the future episodes, uh, tank and we'll mm-hmm. cover it right yeah for sure for sure uh you've already we've got some questions as you said in the in the comments as well as in an email and and dm so um so we're going to cover that maybe next time and then there's there's plenty of brands to talk about so we'll be back hopefully next week with either this or that but something something cool i, I i'm sure of that absolutely well thanks balash and with that mike is out thanks mike balash is out <laughs>